0: This is the Tom Bigby Tales, and I'm your host, Shannon Evans. I write about a small town on the Tom Bigby River in northeast Mississippi called Columbus, and sometimes I write about its surrounding areas. Today's episode is titled The Pedestrian Bridge and the Investors, or Credit Where Credit is Due. The town of Columbus is a small community in northeast Mississippi along the Tombigbee River. Like most small towns, people talk. If you bought a new truck and drove into town with it on Monday, by Tuesday half the town would have seen you in it and the other half would know how much you paid for it and which bank you had to finance it through. Or if you paid cash for it with money you got when your meemaw died last February from the P. pneumonia running through her super senior Sunday school class down at the Baptist church. You get it. By Wednesday, the ladies at at Kitty's Cut and Curl will be comparing notes on the new truck to their sons, brothers, husband, or father's last new truck, etc. On and on it goes. As you can see, not much stays undiscussed around here. Every vote in city council and every proposal before the board of supervisors and... Every visitor at every social club and service club gets seen and talked about as quickly as they appear on the agenda. It is in this small town environment that the Tongagby Tales flourishes. I can't go to the post office or my favorite local coffee shop without someone stopping to share some tidbit, idea, concern, or scandal they feel should be shared on this podcast. Recently, OK, over the snowpocalypse of 2024, a.k.a. the dusting of snow and unusual Arctic temps, my phone, email and Facebook messages have been bombarded with stories about our local convention and Visitors Bureau director, director Nancy Luke Carpenter, making some outlandish claims publicly and privately at gatherings After some investigating, I found that two of the claims allegedly made by Carpenter could be traced back to actual conversations in public forums and were corroborated by multiple witnesses. The first relates back to the infamous Elks Club building and the imaginary never-to-be-built-but-always-talked-about-in-the-back-of-Nancy's-mind Children's Museum that Carpenter has talked about for almost 10 years and has done nothing to actually develop other than hire expensive consultant pals and order even more expensive concept drawings. As stated in previous episodes, after those little bits and bobs of thinking about the museum and Carpenter's promises of writing grants and getting investors evaporated long before COVID, and were forgotten until this podcast began asking uncomfortable questions about why on earth did the CBB even own the Elks Club and the old barbershop building next door? And more importantly, why was the C.V.B. allowing such a gorgeous, historic building to sit there and rot? We know she did suddenly start scrubbing and doing half-assed porch repairs and replaced a toilet in order to host the annual Anemic Arts and antique show that she forgot to confirm a venue for elsewhere again. See earlier episodes, October 21st, Arts and Antiques Fiasco, or anything up through the middle of November, including the October 31st episode, The Big Lie. Prior to the Arts and Antiques show, the Elks building sat empty and ignored since approximately 2016. In 2022-2023, the vacant land beside the Elks Club where the Gilmer Hotel once sat, was under consideration for purchase and development for a boutique hotel and restaurant slash event center. The developers wanted to purchase the abandoned and neglected Elks Club as part of their plan was to restore that building to its former glory and use it as the focal point of their project as the restaurant downstairs and a glorious ballroom upstairs. There's a video that shows the upstairs of that building, and you can see just how lovely that ballroom actually is with the pressed tin ceiling uh, in my YouTube channel. When the investors approached Carpenter to open discussions on possible purchase of the building, she shut it down, stating she owned the building and she was actively building a children's museum there. Well, we know nothing of the sort is happening with the museum and she does not own the Elks Club building. The Columbus Convention and Visitors Bureau owns it. Apparently, not only did Carpenter lie and claim the building was hers, she never bothered to inform her board that there was any interest in their financial albatross, the Elks Club building. Nancy Carpenter had a chance to do something to positively impact Columbus tourism. A niche hotel targeting tourists and in her own typically self-serving manner, shut it down. Yep, she turned a huge investment possibility in our downtown away with a bold-faced lie. And worse, she never brought the discussion back to her board who actually does own the building, not her. I wonder if the board is even aware that she had such a discussion with those investors. I highly doubt it. And that leads to the second conversation brought to my attention, this one is related to Nancy Carpenter's claim that she got $3 million for the bridge repairs that and that the city only had a $1 million award, allegedly, for repairing the historic island walkover bridge that was damaged in 2020 by a barge being towed by Cooper Marine and Timberlands based in Nobile. The towboat that was pushing the eight barges south on the Ten Tom waterway when the boat and its loaded barges grounded near the old Columbus channel of the Tom Bigby's north opening. Another boat owned by Max Marine came to assist and somehow one of the loaded barges broke away and drifted with the current into an eastern support pier of the pedestrian bridge. In question that takes people over to the island, thus making it unsafe until recent repairs were started. Maloof Construction was hired to do the repairs after city attorney Jeff Turnage and an outside attorney who specialized in marine laws filed a lawsuit on the city's behalf, and they were able to get the entire cost of repairs, something a little over $4 million. Another thing that is completely unheard of, in settlements of this type because the bridge is historic the mississippi department of archives and histories would have to approve the preliminary plans no actual structural changes were being made this was merely to be made a unanimous formality and result in updated historical data in their files as long as nothing changed The heavy lifting on this project was all done by Jeff Turnage and the expert team of maritime attorneys with some help by the MDAH. That will come later. The barge company themselves proposed the first fix that had to go through MDAH. It was not only aesthetically ugly, but not in keeping with historic guidelines of the MDAH turnage the mayor and the city council were not going to allow such an ugly repair the ugly plan that detracted from his the historic original bridge was then taken before the mdah carpenter did help by getting that on the mdah agenda expeditiously Uh, the mdah by the way is a board that she sits on That first plan, the ugly plan, as we shall call it, was shot down by MDAH. The current plan by Neil Schaefer's design that the city wanted and is in keeping with the bridge's original design was then put before MDAH and approved. So Nancy did not save the bridge, nor did she do anything to get money from important political friends, as she has claimed What she did do was help our city attorney, Jeff Turnage, and the mayor and city council get our bridge project on MDAH's agenda in a quick and expeditious manner. As a trustee for MDAH, that is her job. I'll put that in air quotes. So at least there's that. So the next time Nancy tells some social club, service club, or CBB board her list of accomplishments, take it in with a jaundiced eye. The truth is actually far more interesting than her self-stylized political influencer claims that she got the city three million more dollars. No, Nancy. But I will say thanks for helping the MDAH preserve the historical bridge and preventing approval of the shoddy proposed repairs from the barge company. Schaefer's Designs put forth by the city, are not only aesthetically pleasing, but structurally and historically more accurate. And that is the true story of the bridge that technically goes to nowhere. (laughs) And credit where credit is due. Thank you for coming along with me on my tour of Columbus, Mississippi, and the Tom Bigby tales. Until next time.